This is Inspiring Minds, a podcast focused on thought-provoking conversations between VSB students and our world-class faculty. Hello and welcome. Uh, my name is Thomas Rodriguez. I'm a senior international business and marketing major here at the Villanova School of Business. I am lucky enough to be talking today with Dr. Aranta Bennett. Dr. Bennett, how are you today? I am well, thank you. How are sure. you? Good. We're going to be talking today about uh, her recent article, Shopping While Non-White Racial Discrimination Amongst Minority Consumers. Um, so yeah, I'm really pumped to get this started. Uh, before we get into that, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, yourself, about how you kind of came to teach uh, here at VSB, and a little bit about courses you teach, that type of stuff. Okay, so I am Arante Bennett, and I am an associate professor of marketing here at Villanova. This is my sixth year on campus, and I joined Villanova immediately after graduating from NYU's PhD program. I came to Villanova for a variety of reasons, most notably the, the group of faculty that it already assembled. Mm. So our department, generally speaking, focuses on public policy. Right. So our work is usually um, marketing, but marketing for the greater good versus marketing to promote products or consumerism. Mm -hmm. And um, Villanova, from that perspective, is a unique place. Right. There are only a handful of schools in the country that offer that kind of faculty, and I wanted to be a part of it. And this project that we're talking about today, uh, Shopping While Non-White, that's actually with Dr. Hill, right? He's a it is with and Dr. Hill. And then the other is Cara Daddario, and she, she works here as well? Cara was my graduate assistant okay. when we wrote the paper. She's Very now good. employed at Campbell's. Right. She works in their interactive marketing department. Perfect. Well, so moving into this article, which was a, a really an awesome read, you know, it was something I was looking forward to reading, and it was really, really, uh, really good to read. Um, talk to me a little bit about how you kind of came to settle on this topic, this topic of shopping while not white. Obviously, there's some hints at public policy. It's a very broader issue and a very much a hot topic in the country. And how did you come to focus on this? When I was in graduate school, I was focusing on social responsibility. And when I joined Villanova, that was still my focus. Mm -hmm. Sometime around three years ago, I encountered a consultant named Chris Malone, mm -hmm. and Chris was working on a concept around brands as intentional agents, so brands as people. And in a very circumvent way, it stemmed out of the Supreme Court Citizens United ruling, okay. so when corporations were viewed as people, people yeah. and what that meant. And this is not entirely related, but... It tangential to that that right. ruling, and so Chris offered us a data set, and while everyone else is looking at the data in terms of if we view brands as people, Dr. Hill and I were interested in the differences in the way people viewed brands as people. Hmm. So if there was an underlying difference based on your personal experiences right. that would color how you viewed a brand. And from that, we understood that that perspective was not universal. And that was essentially the small, small, small grain that started us on the path that eventually got us to a point where we were looking at shopping while non-white. Non um, and again, so this, that kind of led you into this. How did you kind of focus on the whole, so give me, give me to the part where you switched into the whole discrimination aspect, the, the whole fact of, you know, Consumers being like consumer discrimination being so 
not rampant in the marketplace, but being present in the marketplace? How did that kind of, how do you get to that aspect of it? So I like to think of this as a trilogy with okay. the first installment or the prequel, if you will, <laughs> being that paper where we looked at the non-universality of this, this theory, how right. it didn't apply evenly across all people. And the differences we found were mostly racial and ethnic. Mm -hmm. So then we began to explore the way that consumers were having marketplace experiences based on their ethnicity or race. And what we were finding was that there was a huge disparity in the experiences consumers were having. So that then prompted us to look specifically at discrimination while shopping yeah. and how that may or may not be a function of, of your racial identifiers. Mm -hmm. For sure. And that's how we got to the, the third part of the trilogy. The third part of the trilogy, which yeah. is which is It's the current paper, yes. <laughs> For sure. So going into this study, what did you expect to find, or what were some things you, you, know, you might thought you would find uh, when developing your hypotheses, and what is something that you actually found that might have surprised you in a way that you didn't think it would? So as we were developing this, this research project, there was a lot happening in um, the American media. There was a recent case of a young man at that point in 2013 who had been arrested on suspicions of shoplifting at Barney's. He purchased a designer belt with a credit card, and once he produced the receipt, they then suggested that he had committed credit card fraud. And this young man, though not wealthy, had saved his money from his part-time job to buy this right. belt. He was a young black man, and his arrest was a function of the belief that he was in no way able to purchase this right. belt legitimately. And so a series of those kind of events started us considering the idea that minorities in general have more aggressive or less pleasant interactions in the marketplace. Right. They often experience discrimination. So we expected that there would be a higher level of discrimination for minorities versus majority um, American population, those being of Anglo-Saxon descent. Mm -hmm. We also thought that because discrimination is a focus or a function of racial difference, anyone who is different than the majority would be treated similarly. So we're looking for similarities and experiences across minority groups without regard to their racial or ethnic background. Okay. So we thought that African Americans, Latino Americans, Asian Americans would all have similarly high experiences with discrimination. Lastly, we thought that based on their experiences that these groups would have similar beliefs about the widespread right. nature of discrimination. Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit about the findings that kind of came from, from those hypotheses. In this case, we found good evidence that minorities do, in fact, experience significantly more discrimination in the marketplace than do majority consumers. We also found the similarity that we were looking for across minorities. They were reporting similar experiences for the most part. Now, what surprised us, or me at very least, was that although they reported similar experiences, they had disparities in the amount of discrimination they thought was taking place in general. Mm -hmm. So African Americans tended to believe that there was a lot more 
that there were many more instances of discrimination in general happening in the marketplace than did other minorities. Yeah. And we don't yet understand why that's the case, but that's a really interesting finding. Absolutely. And I remember reading in reading this, I believe it was you mentioned that in, ter in relation to that hypothesis of it not being as kind of across the board, they thought all in the same breath, that uh, Hispanic Americans, and I think it was Asian Americans as well, found it more to be the exception rather than the rule. I think that was the, the phrasing used in the paper. Can you like speak a little bit more to that? That, that was, for me, the most surprising thing. So we don't have any evidence of it, right? But what we are under the impression of is that African Americans, historically and currently, are made very aware of instances when they're being discriminated against. Mm -hmm. It ends up being in the press, right? There is currently a Black Lives Matter campaign. Mm -hmm. um, we are hyper-aware of Ferguson. We're aware of Baltimore. We're aware of Spring Valley in South Carolina. Mm -hmm. There are all these things that make us more aware than not of the potential for mistreatment across mm -hmm. the board. I'm not certain that that same level of awareness or media coverage applies to when other minorities are being mistreated. So we don't often hear about the way Asian Americans are misportrayed, incorrectly portrayed as academically astute <laughs> to the detriment of their social development. Right. But there, are these, there are these model minorities, and mm -hmm. we don't hear about how that negatively influences them. Mm -hmm. We don't often hear about the way Hispanic or Latino Americans are mistreated. It doesn't make the news very much. Mm -hmm. And it could be a function of two things. It could be a function of population size, mm -hmm. or it could be a function of historic American media and politics mm -hmm. that focuses on black and white rather than the whole range of ethnicities and races in our country. Mm. So that might be driving the effect, but we don't have any evidence for it. Right. Now, you know, you know, mentioned the events just like Ferguson, you know, that have happened. Um, obviously, you know, at the time you wrote this paper, since you wrote this paper, since you wrote this paper, where do you kind of see, how, in the short amount of time, I'm assuming, how do you have seen this situation kind of evolve? Has it gotten worse? You know, like, what do, where do you think that whole situation of racial discrimination in the marketplace, shopping while non-white. How has that moved forward since you wrote this paper? Where do you see it moving forward down the road in this country? So I think what's interesting is as we were writing this paper in the years preceding the trilogy, there was discussion of this utopic, utopian post-racial America. Yeah. And it was ushered in by the first election of, of President Barack Obama. Yeah. And I think that belief and its fallacy is kind of what led to the series of events we've seen unfold. Mm -hmm. So since we published this paper, there have been a number of high-profile, racially-driven um, media events. Mm -hmm. And I don't believe there's been much change in the way that people are being treated in the marketplace and elsewhere, but I do believe there's a lot more interest in bringing those mistreatments to the foreground. Mm -hmm. So I think armed with smartphones and social media that the public is making it a point to uncover and reveal um, the the way in which American society in the marketplace and elsewhere 
can sometimes treat its minority population. So now, is there anything that you felt this study left you longing for that you could have found out more through more research? Has this study influenced any current research projects you're currently working on, or is there something you felt like that once you finished the study, you were like, oh, I really wish I could do more research about this? As the Batman to my Robin, Dr. Hill and I are, um, <laughs> we're currently looking at the way specific brands treat people. Okay. So really large multinational brands and how people respond to them right. and how they're treated by those brands and if their response and treatment move in the ways you would expect. Okay. So for example, there are some luxury brands that are not just expensive, but they are exclusive in ways that aren't always based on financial ability. Okay. A few years back, Oprah Winfrey, notably one of America's most wealthy women, <laughs> was shopping in Europe, and a saleswoman refused to show her a bag because one, she didn't recognize Oprah or her wealth, mm -hmm. and two, was under the mistaken belief that a woman who was of a certain age and a certain race was in no way able to purchase right. this bag. And so those kind of episodes have propelled us to look at the relationship between particular brands and consumer response, mm -hmm. and we're fairly positive there are going to be some brands that are cruel and possibly discriminatory toward minorities that still benefit from minority desire right. to purchase those brands. Mm -hmm. So that's bringing still some of the aspects from this shopping while non-white, the whole aspect of racial discrimination, over to this new thing. More so, because this, this paper is more so how, not consumers treat other consumers, but more like storekeepers and like kind of smaller scale retail operations treat consumers. So I actually say this paper is more of a macro right. approach. So it looks at, generally speaking, are stores cruel to you? Generally right. speaking, do advertisements depict you in a way that's not positive. Generally speaking, are salespeople not polite to you? Mm -hmm. The next paper, our extension, is going to be, in particular, how does brand A treat you? It's funny, just because, just thinking about, on a pure business terms, it doesn't make sense to have an outgroup if you're a brand. You know what I mean? Any potential customer is a valuable customer. So I think that's something that's like fascinating about that study, the fact that a brand could perceive someone almost as an outside customer when... In fact, any customer would potentially be valuable. You know, Obviously, there's different levels of value within customers, but I think that's just something that's very interesting. So customer lifetime value is right, a thing, exactly. right? And it should not be a function of any of those demographic markers, except brands, while acting like people, are managed by people. people yeah. And it's those people who are managing the brands that are perpetrating these acts of omission and commission. Very good, for sure. Um, I remember vividly from class that you do not have a TV. I do house. not have a television in my T house. Let's close on that aspect. Tell me about why you don't have a TV. Especially, you know, like you're also very well-informed, well obviously, <laughs> but you do not have a TV in your house. Um, so Dr. Eric Carson right. came to my housewarming, and I have a bracket for a television, so I have... <laughs> a space that indicates the TV should hang in my living room. And as a gift, he drew me a small television scene that is now taped to my, my bracket. But I don't have a television because 
I'm aware of my personal weaknesses and I get easily distracted mm -hmm. and television causes me one, insomnia, and two, to not focus on the things right. that are fulfilling in my life. Mm -hmm. So it's just an easy way, it's a, it's a crutch for me. Yes, absolutely. And I can just fill time watching TV and not really enjoying myself. It, so if I have friends over, in my house we have to talk because there's nothing else to do besides talk. Absolutely. And it makes some people uncomfortable, but at least amazing evenings of conversation and bonding. Um, it also means that when I go home at night, I'm probably just going to sleep. <laughs> now, with that being said, I have a very large amount of data available to me. Yes. And I often stream things. So I watch quite a few shows um, online. I'm a cord cutter. I'm not anti-television. I just don't right. have a television. <laughs> and I also, to keep on top of all the latest news, we a gossip blog at least once a day. Good, good. Always good. <laughs> Perfect. Well, on the topic of talking, it's been lovely talking to you today. Um, so thank you very much for listening. Uh, again, I'm Thomas Rodriguez, and I'd like to thank Dr. Arante Bennett for taking the time to speak to me today. Uh, again, her article is Shopping While Non-White, uh, Racial Discrimination Among Minority Consumers. Thank you again, Dr. Bennett, for taking the time out to speak with me. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to Inspiring Minds. Stay tuned for our next installment featuring more VSB students discussing research topics with our world-class faculty.